Oh God, make your word to speak. And may it speak among us and to us and call us and encourage us. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and start right off and do something that I very rarely do, even though I may think it occasionally. And that's to say that when I read this text this morning, for the first, well, I've read it many times, but when I read it to get ready for this sermon, it was pretty boring, pretty uneventful. Yeah, there's a healing in it, and that's cool. But frankly, I couldn't find a whole lot that I wanted to talk about in this text. I thought I did, so I started writing something out or typing something out. The next day, I deleted the whole thing because it was, well, it was boring. Of course, some of you may say, well, then you should do a lot more of that, Scott. I read several things. I paced the floor of my office. I even walked around the church a good bit trying to figure out something to say, and nothing would come to mind. But then, I read yet again the last verse of this reading, and then I began to think, certainly there has to be something to this text, and here's why. In that last verse, we read that the Pharisees, the Jewish religious leaders, they go off on Jesus, and they immediately, it says begin to plot with the group called the Herodians against Jesus. Now, a couple things about that. The Pharisees are the uh, devout group of religious leaders, and they held the occupying Roman rule in disdain because the Romans worshipped the emperor, and they were filled with greed and military violence. The Pharisees stood against all of that. And then we read in the very next verse that the Pharisees go to a group called the Herodians. Now we don't know really all that the Herodians were, but by their name, as their name suggests, they were in cahoots with King Herod. King Herod, who was the Roman appointed ruler of the province called Judea. So in other words, the Pharisees come together with a group that normally they would have nothing to do with. And the reason why they come together to quote the text is to figure out how to destroy Jesus. How they aim to kill him. Utterly wipe him out, it could be interpreted. Here's what I mean. I've been reading this text, there really wasn't a whole lot in there, frankly. But obviously it must have been a big deal to somebody because two powerful groups of people who really would not get along come together in order to get rid of Jesus. And, and I counted this. This is only the 79th verse in the entire book of Mark and already people are wanting to kill him. There has to be something going on in this text. Well, there's two events in our reading that lead to the Pharisees going off to plan with the Herodians. Both of them have to do with violating Sabbath laws. 
One of them involves Jesus' disciples um, going through a grain field and plucking grain as they walked because they were hungry. The Pharisees saw that as work. And then the other one involves Jesus healing a man who has a withered hand, and again on the Sabbath, and again it was called work. Now unfortunately, this is how this story and others like it often get interpreted. Some Christians interpret this as the Pharisees as being a symbol of all, Jeru of all Judaism, that Judaism is, is a religion that's all about following laws. You have to follow this law, this law, this law, this law. And if you follow these laws, then you're in. You're okay with God. And to continue in that line of thinking, well, here comes Jesus, who, who speaks with grace and faith instead of keeping laws. And therefore, the Jewish people, they're bad. But the Pharisees is a symbol of that. They're bad. They're just rule keepers. And, well... Jesus is good. And then the warning goes, well, don't be like those Pharisees. Frankly, that's a horrifically awful description of the Jewish faith and of the Pharisees as well. The Pharisees were a very religiously devoted group who saw more and more that the culture around them was turning into a Roman-type um, society. So therefore, they needed to help define what it meant to live faithfully as a Jew in the chaotic world that they lived in. So the Pharisees developed habits and traditions, laws for the Jewish people to follow, so that they might know that they are living faithfully as Jews in such a hard word world. And some of these laws talked about what it meant to keep the Sabbath, and especially on what it means to work and not work on the Sabbath. Because as we all know, the Sabbath was a day that was set aside by God for God's people to rest from their work. It was a day that was launched in the creation story. On the seventh day, God rested. But also in the book of Deuteronomy, it lifts us Sabbath in, in mentioning about the, 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 the Exodus story. The Exodus story when, when the people were freed. And so on the day of Sabbath, you are to live as a freed people, not tied at all to work. And the Pharisees sought to define what it meant to really practice Sabbath. But here's where Jesus crossed ways with the Pharisees. The Pharisees got so focused on their rule keeping on the Sabbath that they forgot about what is even more important than the rules, and that is compassion. The disciples, they plucked grain on the Sabbath because they were hungry. Jesus healed on the Sabbath because there was a man who needed healing and Jesus could heal him. In both these situations, Jesus chose compassion and the opportunity to restore someone to wholeness and to flourish in life. But because Jesus broke these rules, and really it wasn't so much about breaking rules, it was about not doing what the powers that be said to do. The Pharisees soon would join up with other allies to try to kill Jesus. Now, instead of us using this text to focus on the Pharisees and, and proclaim how bad they are, perhaps it might be better if we would consider how we, the church, very often grab so tightly to our own rules our own ways of doing, 
our commitments, our doctrines, our essentials, that sometimes we forget about the overarching and overriding command to practice compassion for others, especially for those who fit outside of our own frame of who's in and who's out. Let me give an example. I'd offer that this is how I think some of us view the importance of Sabbath keeping. And it might be summed up in the statement that Jesus made that that humankind or people or man being made for the Sabbath. In this view, keeping the Sabbath, which I will reduce it to saying going to church on Sunday, keeping the Sabbath is is a part of a whole theology that says that you're supposed to follow certain rules and do certain things, and if you do those things, you're okay with God. You go to church, you read your Bible, you give your money, you don't do the things that bad people do, and when you do that, then you're okay with God. You don't break the rules. I've heard it, and I don't hear it as much as I used to, when I would see someone who perhaps is a member of the church or just somebody in the community, and they see me and they say, oh, I really need to get back in church. And I, and I want to take that in the best possible light, that they miss the worship. But I think what happens sometimes is folks have the notion, well, if I go to church, then that'll be a good mark to counteract some of the bad marks on the other side. If I go to church, then that's a good thing. If I read my Bible, that's a good thing, versus the bad things I do. And that if I keep it up, and the more good than bad, then God's going to say, okay, you're in. So I really need to be in church in order to get a good mark. But Jesus says just the opposite of that. Rather than people being made to keep the Sabbath, the Sabbath has been made for people You see, Sabbath is a time of rest. Sabbath is a time of renewal. Sabbath is a time to reflect on and remember who we are. And we know who we are as we remember who God is. Sabbath is a time to stop from the busy, from the work, so that we might remember that we are loved. And we're loved not because of what we do, But we are loved because God loves us, period. Sabbath keeping isn't about trying to get a good mark to earn God's love. No, we are already loved. Instead, Sabbath is a time to give thanks for the bounty and the goodness of God toward us. And maybe, maybe as we dive deeper and deeper into Sabbath, as we stop and remember and reflect and give thanks more and more, maybe our eyes are open to new things. Perhaps our eyes begin to see more about how God sees things so that we might be more compassionate in our own lives. Perhaps we may not see a man who has a withered hand among us this morning, but maybe perhaps as you read the prayer list today, and I hope take that prayer list home with you, a name pops up. And you contact that person just to check on them and see how they're doing. Because in such connection, there is healing. Perhaps 
We might take something from our time of worship. Maybe it's a piece of one of the hymns that we sang. Maybe it's a part of the scripture that we've read. And we find ourselves reflecting on it a little bit this week in the life we live. Especially on how God might be leading us into ways of compassion. Perhaps we might notice that person who is hungry. Maybe not hungry for food literally, but hungry for attention. Hunger, hunger for someone to actually care about them and to ask about them. Perhaps we might notice the person who's been shunned because they are unclean. Just as this man with a withered hand would have been considered unclean. And maybe that person that might be considered unclean because they don't dress right. They don't talk right. They don't look right. They don't believe right. But rather than sticking to our rightness, maybe we'll reach out with compassion just as Jesus did. And hopefully some of this that you might do, and hopefully in this week, even as you keep Sabbath during this week, maybe it'll make us all more grateful and remember who God is and how much God loves all of us. Amen.